you for listening to this message from Life in the Sun Christian Fellowship. We hope you'll be inspired to honor God and make disciples. So today we begin, uh, as you can see, it's the islands. So we're, we're going to be talking about, we're not really going to be talking about the islands, but we're going to be talking about something similar with the islands. But anyway, let's just pray one more time, okay? Father, thank you for today. Thank you for, for who you are. Thank you for those testimonies that we can always rely on you, that as you say that you are faithful, you are faithful. And Father, I just pray for those that are still struggling in just even in that area in their lives that who is God? Can God really go, or can God really go through for what, uh, what I'm going through? I pray, Father, that you would show yourself to them. And Lord, I pray that today would be uh, just one of those days that you would show who you are to our people. So Lord, have your way today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. How many of you had a chance uh, to actually go out on hikes and, or just, I don't think you can really see the skies from Guam. There's just too many lights. You can't really see the skies from Guam, right? But how many of you have uh, ever had that chance? You're in a place where it's so dark and you can really see how the, the skies at night looks like. How many of you ever get that chance, right? Well, can you show them the picture? This is called, <clears throat> this is a shot from the Hubble telescope. This is called the Carina Nebula. Of course, looking at it, it doesn't do justice. After watching Star Wars and Guardians of the Galaxy and Avengers, oh, that's nothing. But this is the real deal, okay? This is really a shot that was taken by the Hubble telescope. And this is, they call it the Carina Nebula. Now, let me tell you how massive this thing is. <clears throat> like what I said, it's only a screen. But if you can just imagine this pillar, the structure from the bottom of the screen all the way to the top of the screen, the distance of that is, called, is three light years. Three light years. Now, now you're wondering, what is a light year? A light year, I had to research this myself because I was wondering, what is a light year? A light year is, a, is the way that the NASA or the science behind the space put it so that they can measure distance. Uh, the fastest stuff in the universe, the fastest thing that moves in the universe is light. Okay, and light moves at the, or travels at the speed of 186,000 miles per second. Per second. So if we can travel that fast, and we would travel the Earth, we can, in one second, we can travel, we can, uh, what do you call this? Uh, we can travel the Earth seven times in one second. That's how fast the speed of light is. So this is three light years away from the, from the base of that structure all the way to the top. And this is just one of them. This is just one of them. So if you're thinking, so how far will it take you from the bottom all the way to the top? If we would use uh, the latest technology on Earth, the fastest rocket today, they say it, it can travel at 20,000 miles per hour. Per hour, okay, 20,000 miles per hour. So if you do your math, and you would ride that rocket to get from the bottom of, uh, of this nebula all the way to the top, it will still take you about 102,000 years to reach from one end to the other. We live only about 80 years. So I don't know how many generations, but that's how massive this thing is. It's so vast. And this is where I want to come from. David was probably one of those men because he was a shepherd. He was always outside. He would get to see all of this. Well, probably not this close, but he would get to see this, and he would see, wow, the vastness of the universe. 
And he comes out with this uh, psalm in chapter 8, verse 3 and 4. It says, when I consider your heavens, when I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars, which you have ordained, he comes up with this question. What is man that you are mindful of him? Church, 102,000 years just to reach that, that, what, that from the tip to the other tip. The clo- it says that the closest star on earth, they call it the Alpha Centauri, it's about 4.4 light years away. If we would ride that same rocket that I was telling you about, it would still take us about 137,000 years to reach that. That's how vast the universe is. That's the closest star to Earth, excluding the sun, of course. So David goes up and looks and said, of all these vast heavens that you have created, God, what is man that you are mindful of him? So what is man? So if, if his question was just, what is man? Let's look at that first. Now, this is when God created the heavens and the earth. You, you, you saw it, right? Can you imagine that? That's just one of those nebulas. The, the universe is full of galaxies. It's full of, those, it's full of the stars. That's just one of them. So now compare that to how man is. Show them the next picture. This is how man is. According to Genesis chapter 2, verse 7, it says what? And the Lord God for man of the dust of the ground. So compare the galaxy, compare the nebula, go back to the picture of the potter's hand. This is man from 102,000, 137 light years to reach the nearest star and to the vastness of one corner of the galaxy to the other. Uh, the point is, it is impossible, okay, to visit the stars. Don't be fooled by Star Wars, okay? I know in Star Wars, within seconds, they can get from one end of the galaxy to the other. Endgame is not true, all right? Guardians of the Galaxy is not true, okay? Sorry to burst your bubble if you think it's true. It's not true, okay? We, don't have, we do not have the technology to reach that far. Sometimes I, I really wonder when Jesus said, I am the light of the world, because we've always taken that perspective to show that God is a light in the darkness. But it, I was just thinking about it. But when he said, I am light, did he also mean that I can travel faster than the speed of light? That's why in his resurrected body, he disappeared and he appeared somewhere else. It's like within seconds. Within seconds, we can, we can travel earth seven times if we, were, uh, if we would travel in the speed of light. So, but this is us. According to the Bible, man was created what? Out of the dust. That very word formed is really that. In the original Hebrew text, it means to passion. It's to squeeze together and to come up and to passion, something like this. Uh, I know depending on what region of the earth you're, you're from, you'll probably call this what? A base? A boss? Or you can just simply say a jar of clay. Right? Easier. It's a jar of clay. But when you look at this and you compare this, just like David made that comparison, when I consider your heavens, what is man? Because man is just this. Good thing his question didn't end there. But sometimes, it, and, and you can probably think, wow, we are so insignificant. It seems that we are so insignificant. But as I was doing this study, I was so amazing that what seems to be insignificant in the way that God created us actually makes us more significant than all the other creation. You know why? 
Well, here, let me, uh, let me show you one way. When God created the heavens and the earth, in Genesis 1.1, it says that God created the heavens. Heavens, plural, earth, singular. Multiple heavens. So when God was seated, he was seated in the highest heaven. It says they were all created by God. By how? How were, how were the heavens created? By the spoken word of God. God said, let there be light, and there was light. So all the way up to day five. But when it came to day six, God kind of changed the kind. God kind of changed the method a little bit. Can you guys hear me? I feel like I'm not loud enough. You guys, okay. I guess I'm just uh, throwing my voice a little louder. <clears throat> but when it came to day six, God kind of changed a little bit. It says, "Let us make man into our image," and then this is what He did. He took dust and He started to mold the dust. But yet, in all of his creation, all he did was, let there be. It says, he spoke, he said it, and everything just came out. But yet, when it came to man, he did this. It's seemingly insignificant, right? But yet, if you're looking at it from my angle, what do you see that's touching the clay, the hand? In all of God's creation, we were the first one that God took his personal time. It's like, wow. It's like when God was showing it to me, I, I think I was just, wow. God could have easily said, let there be man. And man would have probably sprung up. But no, God took his time, and he took a personal touch with us. It reminds me of that, uh, one of those stories in the New Testament, it just reminded me, about the leper that came up to Christ and said, and, uh, and Jesus said, uh, I forget, but it says, uh, Son of David, or uh, what, uh, Jesus said, what do you want? It said, I want uh, heal, healing what, is what he was looking for. Jesus could have easily said, be healed. He's done it. He's done it with the centurion. He's done it with the daughter of the, of the uh, Syphonician women. But yet, what did Jesus do? He touched the guy. Didn't need to touch the guy. So it just reminds me that when in the, in the creation of man, God didn't really need to touch. He didn't really need to mold us this way, but he did it anyway. And just seeing that, it may seem insignificant, but I thought, wow, we are significant. We are the first creation that God actually used his hand on. Amen? The second thing about this is, now go back to Genesis chapter 2, verse 7. It says, and the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed life into his nostrils. And this is where we get that we are created in the image of God. And it says that uh, nostrils, the bread of life, and man became a living soul. When God said, let the, uh, when God created the heavens, I'm assuming that within the heavens were also the angels. Wouldn't you think so? Because it's not written in the Bible when the angels were created, but it did say when God created the heavens. So I'm assuming the angels were created during the time when heavens were created. Now, of all the creation that God did, man was the only one with a living soul. Man was the only one that God gave a choice to either to obey him or to disobey him, or to follow or not to follow. Why do I say that? Because the angels... We're never given a choice to disobey. 
Because once they disobeyed, God gave the judgment. Of course, we know this, that Satan eventually will come to his judgment. And that's why I believe that every time, when you read the, when you read the Bible, what, you, what the description of angels is always a messenger, a worker. That's what they do. And that's why I believe that whenever you read of the angels, the, what they always express towards God is holy, holy, holy. Because that's what they were created for. We, on the other hand, we, we're not limited to just calling God holy, holy, holy. We're, 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 we have such freedom to call him Father. He's a gracious God. He's a faithful God. He is true to his word. But yet the angels, all they do is holy, holy, holy. The animals that God created follow his own command. How do you think that Noah's Ark was filled with animals? Simply God telling the animals his own creation to go to the ark. They did not resist. They did not say, oh, I don't want God. I don't want to go to the ark. It's only man that God said, uh, don't eat. And of course, we ate. Even the atmosphere, if God created the atmosphere on this earth, why do you think when Jesus stepped out on the boat and said, peace, that storm was at peace. The storm recognizes his own creator. Isn't that amazing? But of course, for man, we have a choice whether to follow or not God. And that is what David is coming from. Now, now go back to uh, Psalms chapter 3. Or chapter 8, verse 3 and 4. So to continue, or just to complete the, the question that David had, it says, When I consider your heavens, the works of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have ordained, the vastness of your creation, what is man, a speck of dust, that you are so mindful, you are so thoughtful of him, that you remember him? That's what it's saying. You are mindful of him and the son of man that you visit him. Now, that, now are you intrigued? Now do you wonder, I mean, what is it about us or what is it about man that God is so mindful of us? And then, of course, David actually gives us a reason or he gives us an observation why he came up with this question. Um, go ahead and continue Psalms uh, 8, 5, 5 and 6. So continuing with that, this is what David was saying now. It says that, <clears throat> for you have made him, man, a little lower than the angels. Now it says they're angels. I looked, at, I looked this up. In the original, it actually says you made him a little lower than God. So if you can paraphrase the translation, it's, it, it, should, it, could be read, it could be read as, for you have made man a little lower than yourself. That's how you can read that. And you have crowned him with glory and honor. Adam had a glory. Adam had, an, uh, had that uh, glory, or they call it the kabud, the glory of God, the same glory that, uh, that's talked about in Ezekiel. And that's why Adam can command the animals. Nowadays, we cannot even command a simple dengue virus. We're down on our bed because of a single virus, but yet... When, when in the first, in, in the creation of Adam, God gave Adam a glory, an atmosphere around him. I can't really explain, need to, need to do, study that more. There was an atmosphere around him that is recognized by other creation, that these other creation would obey him. And it says, you have made him to have dominion over the works of your hand. You put all things under his feet. That talks about authority. That's what God gave to man. 
in the days of creation, in the very into Adam, we have a glory. We were created just a little lower than God Himself. That's what it's saying. And you, we have been crowned with glory and honor. And you have been, we have, uh, you made Him or God made us to have dominion over the works of your hand. And that's why church, speaking of honor, and that's why we value we value life because in the. In, because we have been created in the image of God. Every human being is created in the image of God. So therefore, life should be honor. And that's what the church stands for, that every life should be honor. Amen? Now, of course, we know the story. After uh, the days of creation, God told Adam what? Do not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And what happened? Man <laughs> ate. Actually, Eve was the first one, but it's really Adam. Adam had the responsibility, okay? Adam had the responsibility to tell Eve, don't eat. But, and, and we know that story, the fall of man. And, and because of the fall of man, we're living today in this fallen state because of what happened with Adam. We have death, we have sickness, we have evil, we have all of this because of what happened. Originally, that's not in the heart of God. God never intended death to happen. God told Adam, you can eat of all the tree, including the tree of life. If Adam would have taken from the tree of life, he would have lived for eternity. But probably some of his kids might eat from the other tree too anyway. So, yeah. <clears throat> so after man has fallen, what was God's first question? You guys remember? What was the, it's actually the first question of the Old Testament. It's like he addressed it to Adam. And the question was, where are you? That was the question. Now, was God, did God did not know where Adam was? No, right? He knew. He knows exactly where Adam is. But I believe it's really for us to understand that the reason that was the first question of the Old Testament is for us to see and to understand that my heart for fallen man is, is in this question. It's in this question, where are you? So if we would look now, let's pass forward 2,000 years later, come Jesus, well, not 2,000 years later, 2,000 years ago. Jesus comes, and in the book of Luke, go ahead and show them. Luke chapter 4, uh, verse 5 to 7. This is a place where Jesus, uh, when Jesus was brought to the wilderness by the Holy Spirit, and the devil started to tempt him. Look what happened. It says, the devil taking him up, taking Jesus up on a high mountain, showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. Yeah, that's from Whitney Houston, one moment in time. No, all the kingdoms of the world. Okay, you guys are listening, good. All the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time, and the devil said to him, listen to this, all this authority... I will give you and their glory, for this has been delivered to me, and I will give it to whomever I wish. From the verse that we were reading, dominion, glory, honor was given to who? It was given to Adam, to man. But yet the devil said that it was delivered to him. The fall of man, the devil got all of that. He got the authority that was supposed to be for man. He got the glory that was supposed to be for man. And now he's tempting Jesus, don't go to the cross. I can give it to you, but just don't go to the cross. You can live your life, 
now here on earth. You don't need to go to the cross. I will give you the glory. I will give you all the authorities of this kingdom. You don't need to go to the cross. But of course we know, and that's why in one of the passages of Paul, it says that if he only knew, if he only knew, if the devil only knew, but he didn't knew. So, so it's been given to me. Therefore, I, uh, so that, that's, what, uh, that's what happened. Because of the fall of man, all that dominion that was given to us, all that authority that was given to us, was delivered upon, was given upon to the devil. It's actually given upon by betrayal. That's what, the, that's what the Greek word says. Anyway, so that's what happened. Now, going back to that question, okay? So now that authority, now that the glory, that honor that used to be on man was delivered upon to the devil. But of course, we also know this story. When Jesus came, all of this was returned back to us. Amen? All of this... Was we, we gain back in Christ Jesus, in Christ Jesus and only in Christ Jesus. But going back to that question, the very first question that God asked when Adam fell was, where are you? And, I, and like what I said, I believe it was there so that we can see how God still sees us even though we are fallen man. Now we can look, go to the next uh, slide, please. How does God see us even though we're fallen? In Luke chapter 15, Jesus shows three parables right after the other. One after the other. I don't know if you've ever noticed that. There's three parables in, in, chapter, uh, in the 15th chapter of Luke, and it's one after the other. The first one is here in verse 4. It says, What man of you, having a hundred sheep, if he loses one of them, does not leave the ninety-nine in the wilderness and go after the one which is lost until he finds it? So the first parable speaks of what? A lost sheep. The second parable of what woman having ten silver coins, if she loses one coin, does not light up a lamp. Second parable talks about a, a lost coin. Third parable, really, this is the longest one. This is about the prodigal son. And he arose and came to his father. But when he was still a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion. This parable talks about the lost son. First question of the Old Testament after Adam fell is, where are you? When a person is lost, they usually don't know where they are. Do you agree? Three parables talking about a lost sheep, a lost coin, and a lost son. Church, I couldn't help but imagine or just to really think, when Adam failed in the garden, was God angry? I couldn't find a verse that says so. Now, was he holy? Yes, he's holy. Was he judging Adam? Well, God cannot go against his word. And because he said, the, the day that you eat of this tree, you will surely die. And dying, Adam began to die. He began to get weak. Then eventually, after 900 years, he died. He could have lived forever. But yet, the heart of God... It says, where are you, Adam? He still looks at Paul and man as lost. You get me, church? We were in this situation at one time, isn't it not? We were all lost. We just don't know where we are. We don't know where God is. We don't know what in the world are we here for. And to God, is always... And this is how God sees us. And what is God doing? In the first parable, what was he doing? It says he left the 99 uh, and he went after the one. 
The second parable talks about she lost one coin. What did she do? She lit up a lamp, swept the whole house, and searched carefully until she finds it. The third parable talks about how the father was always waiting. Always waiting. Why do you say that? Because it says that when the son was still a great way off, his father already saw him. So he, was e he was either at the city gates waiting, or he's at home waiting, but he was always looking out for his son. That's how God always sees fallen man. Amen? Now comes the great part. Then how does God respond whenever man is found? Next, uh, oh, there you go. Very fast, like, like the speed of light. <laughs> this is how, and now it gets exciting. So how does God react or how does God respond whenever, whenever one who is lost comes into the kingdom of God? We just talked about the kingdom of God, right? It says, and when he has found it, he lays it on his shoulders, rejoicing, rejoicing. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and neighbors, saying to them, rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep which was lost. Uh, I was thinking, who's, who's God's friends? It's like, besides us, I guess the, whole, the Trinity, right? Anyway, not, not the point. And then look at the second one. Well, how did God respond? Or, and when she has found it, she calls her friends, neighbors together, saying, rejoice with me, for I have found the peace which I lost. And then the third parable, same thing. But the father said to his servants, bring out the best robe, put it on him, put on the ring on his hand, sandals on his feet, bring the fatted calf here and kill it, and let us eat and be merry. For this son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found, and they began to be merry. Isn't that amazing? First, God sees us as lost. Though he is a holy God, but I did not find anywhere in the, New in, the, in, the, in the book of Genesis that God was angry with Adam. He was angry with the generation that went to the desert. That's a different story. But yet, his first question was, which, which I find really interesting, where are you? Where are you, Adam? Adam was lost, just like us. And when we are found, God celebrates. God rejoices. So going back to, to, the, to the question... God, what is man that you are so mindful of us? That when we have lost everything that you have given to us, that you were disrupted in your rest, you made a way and you put a plan together so that we can get it back. Now look at Luke 15, verse 22 and 24. I don't know if you can see it. But the father said to his servants, bring out the best robe, put it on him, put a ring on his hand, Sandals on his feet. Three items. For those of you who are believers, these are the three items that God wants to restore in our lives. What was the three things that we read in Psalms? The image of God, honor and glory, and dominion. I cannot find the connection yet, but I will one day, and I will show you. But I believe this, the things that we lost in the garden, God slowly is restoring. Because of the work of redemption... Amen? Three items, three items. Amen? So this is, has been the word of man. This is, <clears throat> they call this, uh, I began with that question a few weeks ago. I was just meditating and God just dropped that, uh, that question on my, on my mind. So I started to look for it. And, and as I was, uh, put, I was uh, studying, I really 
couldn't find the answer. <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry to tell you, but the only, the only place that, uh, that I can really think that why God is mindful of us is really because we were created just a little lower than him. That we are a living soul. We were created to have a relationship with him. And that's why when we lost that relationship, that God deemed it that we are so worthy that God made a way to bring us back into that place. Amen? Um, Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2, please. In Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2, this is what it says. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who, for the joy that was set before him, endured the cross, despising, despising, shame, despising the shame. Despising the shame, of course, it's not just the shame, but the death itself and the pain that he went through. The only way for us to be redeemed was for Christ to go to the cross. There's a part about being, because Adam was the first, uh, Adam was the first man and Adam represented man, God needed to make a way for man to be redeemed by another man. That's why in the book of Luke, Jesus is, is portrayed as the son of man. Adam, in the beginning, represented the entire man, that when he failed, the entire mankind failed with him. But when Jesus came, coming as the son of man, and Jesus went to the cross and fulfilled everything that's needed to be fulfilled, and he rose from the dead, then the entire mankind being represented with Jesus can now again be redeemed. Amen? So the way to redemption is through Christ and what Christ has done. That is the way to redemption. And that has been the heart of God. The next verse, please. The last verse, the next one. There you go. And I'm going to end with this. Church, the worth of a human soul is based on how much God was, will, was willing to redeem man. In the very beginning, as I showed you, God was so, was so mindful of us that he gave us all of this. He gave us, he gave us glory. He gave us honor. We were created just a little bit lower than him, and we had all the dominions, or he was given us a dominion over everything, and it was put under our feet. When we failed, God was disrupted, but yet he made a way so that we can get it back. And that way is Christ. And that's why one of the, the I am statement of Jesus is, I am the way, I am the truth, and the life. Amen? So what did Jesus pay? He paid the debt. Most of us know this. That's how much we are worth to him, that he, that he was so willing to give up so much because he, he deemed it that we are worthy. Amen? Amen. Let's just go ahead and close. Can you see Guam there on the little right side? That's Guam. Just like man and the works of God's hand, sometimes we can think that we're that small and... Guam sometimes may feel that way also. Compared to the world, Guam is that small. But just as I've showed you, to God, the word of a human soul is so precious to him that he was willing to redeem it. And the way he redeemed it was to give his own life so that it could be redeemed. Amen? And most of us are already there. We're already on that other side of the redemption.
But of course, we know not everybody is there yet. And that, that wall actually represents the other side, the other side where redemption has not happened. In fact, we're supposed to be praying for that wall. So, in fact, let's just do that. Can we just take a moment and just pray for that wall? Those of you who are wondering, what is that wall? It's not the Great Wall. It's not the Berlin Wall. It's called the I Am Andrew Wall. But these are the names of people that we have listed down that we are praying for and we're considering that may they come to the knowledge of who Jesus is. May they come to the knowledge of what Christ has done for their lives so that they can also walk in this redemption life. So, Father, we lift up these names to you. We thank you, O Lord, that you did everything to redeem man from the things that was lost. And Father, thank you that your heart is always to get back, to get back the soul of man, to redeem, to return. So Lord, we lift them up to you. We lift up these names. And Father, we thank you that your word tells us that <clears throat> what is impossible for us is possible for you. So, Lord, in your ways and in your means, we lift them up to you. And may they come, O oh Lord, to the knowledge of who you are. May they come to know you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Just by chance, before we, before we dismiss, if you're here for the very first time, and you're hearing me talk about this redemption life and how much God or how much your human soul is worth to God, but yet you've never made that decision as I was talking about being on the other side of redemption. You've never made Christ to be the Lord of your life. You've never taken what he has done for you. You've never received it. And if that's you today, I want to give you an opportunity to pray or I will pray with you. But just by any chance, is there anybody here who wants to pray? or, is not, or And you can... Or in your life, you know you're not there yet. You're not in the other side of redemption. Anybody, by any chance, if we can just keep our heads bowed and our eyes closed, you can just raise up your hand so I can pray with you. I see that hand. Anybody else? I see that hand at the back. Anybody else that I miss? I see this hand over here. I see that hand over there. Yes, I see that hand too. Anybody else? I see that other hand too. Okay, you can put your hand down. I'm going to pray with you. Church, it is called being born again. It's, it's called being saved. I know Christian terms, but it's really what you're doing is just, just receiving what Christ has done for you in the cross because we cannot do it on ourselves. That's the simplest way for me to explain it. And once you, it's, it's as simple as praying. But because Christ has done it all, your prayer matters to him. So let's just go pray. You can just follow after me, okay? Everybody can pray. Father, thank you for sending Jesus to die the death that I need to die so that I don't have to die that way. I make Jesus my Savior and my Lord, and I receive today what he has done for me. And I thank you, Jesus, that what I cannot do, you did for me. And let this today be my new day and the day that is different from the rest of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.